You are watching the Directing Animation Livecast, hosted by Scott Weiser. I've worked as either a director or animator on more than 30 projects, both short and feature length, and my favorite projects have been Layers, my short film, and these books, which I wrote, illustrated, and pitched at several studios as feature films. And today we have a wonderful guest, Brenda Chapman. Brenda is not only a wonderful person, she directed Brave and Prince of Egypt, and recently Come Away, which debuted at Sundance. And I, I had the privilege of attending that premiere. It was a wonderful experience. How are you doing today, thank Brenda? You. I'm good, thank you. How are you? <laughs> I'm wonderful. I'm excited to talk about these, these various topics that I have selected. Um, the first one is actually Come Away. So Come Away has had its Sundance debut. You've had a little bit of time and space to kind of let the dust settle from that. What do you feel was the strongest aspect of your work on that film? I feel like... Uh... The, the the work with the kids was really great. I felt really good about their performance and, and what they brought to the story. And the look of the film, the cinematography, I was really oh, yeah. proud of. It's, it was so uh, good. <laughs> I, I'm, thank you. <laughs> but the story was just a beautiful story uh, that uh, Marissa Goodhill wrote and a yeah. uh, beautiful script. And so it was it was it was a challenge to try to get that to the screen yeah i bet <laughs> especially because you're used to this very slow and steady movement on animation and with live action you had a probably a limited amount of time that to work with these people you had to work in a way that you weren't used to capture a performance like in the moment and uh, how was that how was that process uh it was it was a learning curve for me yeah <laughs> um but uh it was a little stressful because I'm used to an animation being able to storyboard it, see if it's working, not, okay, let's redo it or let's tweak this or that. And so trying to make sure we had everything we needed, you know, with the performances and with, with the shots, uh, that was a whole different mindset. I had to, to wrap my head around that. Yeah. Is yeah. Cause. Oh, sorry. No, because you know, you, storyboarding is the coverage for animation, you know, yeah. <laughs> and it's, and it's fairly cheap, you know, in comparison, yeah. you know, so. Yeah. I love storyboarding. And I have a question about storyboarding. So there are different paths that different directors take to becoming a director in the animation industry. One of them is generally animation and the other is generally storyboarding. What do you feel a director can learn from storyboarding that you wouldn't learn if you came up through the animation track? I think you're trained in the bigger picture and storyboarding. I mean, you're given a sequence and you have to look at that as a whole, but you also have to look at that as how it fits into the bigger film. So you're constantly seeing what your other story artists are doing and making sure you don't have repetition or if the repetition is on purpose to lay pipe yeah. for, you know, certain character traits or within the story and um, the plot and everything. So, you know, you have the script, which is sort of the groundwork, but then the storyboards really flesh everything out. So, so you're also looking at character arcs and just the bigger picture, where as an animator, you're taking more the actor's approach and just focusing on character. Now, I'm I'm remembering uh, the traditional days where an animator would just have one character and they would work on that character team. Now, uh, a lot of animators work on scenes, so they get to work on all the characters, but still you're focused on that one scene as opposed to the entire sequence of the film. Like, 
for instance, in Brave, you know, the the scene would be the single scene where it's maybe you just see Fergus eating his dinner. But that's a scene. But a sequence is the whole dinner scene or sequence, which would be (laughs) the mom and the triplets and and everything together. So that, sorry, I'm going off on a tangent, but (laughs) I love uh, tangents. but, (laughs) But you're focused on one thing, basically one one little part of the film um, as an animator, where as a story artist, you're focused on a bigger part of the film and you have to keep the entire film in mind as you're working. Yeah, I would agree with that too. And having been freelance for a while, I end up, even though I advertise myself as an animation freelance guy, I uh, I end up doing a lot of the storyboards and, and I feel like that's been excellent preparation for the directing directing role. So yeah, I, I completely agree with that. And and I actually had a we had a story a head of story on recently was working at Skydance and uh-huh. uh, we asked him lots of questions about that. But that's one question I actually didn't ask him because he came up through the storyboarding ranks and he was that Brian Pimentel. It was uh, Greg Harmon or Glenn okay. Harmon. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Well, Brian Pimentel's another one you should talk to. Oh, <laughs> he's great. Yeah. He's worked with Kevin my husband, Kevin Lima, on many projects. And he's, he's a really great head of story as well. Awesome. I will have some great stories for you. (laughs) (laughs) I bet. bet. So now that you finished the project, is there anything you would do differently? Now that all that you've learned on that project, is there anything you would do differently on your next project? If it were live action? Oh, live action project. Um, (laughs) uh, One thing is maybe I wouldn't do it again. I don't know. (laughs) That's a good solution. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I uh, I just learned a lot, and it's more the minutia of things that I would I would do. I would certainly be much more involved in the budget and the planning of where the money would be spent. Um, I felt like that because I was so focused on figuring out the creative aspect. I let that um, I let other people deal with that. I wish I had been much more involved in that. So, and what uh, impact would that have had had you? Been involved in that. Like, it what would it have solved? We had a lot of issues with the VFX and everything, and I think I would have been more involved uh, with choosing um, the companies and the vendors and where that would have been done and how it would have been done. Also, music. It just seemed like everything was, you know, last minute, seat of your pants, and that that's I think independent filmmaking. Yeah, so, yeah. But, I mean, I'm very happy with the music. But it came so last minute. Yeah, I'm so happy to have found John Debney. He's a lovely man, incredibly talented, and did a beautiful job. So no complaints. I just wish we could have brought him in earlier. Awesome. Now, now that you've done the live action, what tools do you think you have now to bring back to animation? I think working with actors, I've learned a lot more because... In animation, you know, they're just in the booth and, you know, you have very comparatively very little interaction with the actors, you know, other Mm -hmm. than just that recording session where here, you know, you're prepping them, you're talking them through, you're, you know, you're discussing where they're going to move, how they're going to, you know, and the blocking of a scene and and all of that. And I just, the relationship with the actors I found uh, was very enlightening and I'd like to bring some of that more into animation. Yeah. Cool. (laughs) Now, I'm sure that somebody is going to wonder while they're listening to this, when can they see Come Away? It's currently 
March 3rd. We're in quarantine in 2020. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, everything has slowed down. Uh, my producers are currently in negotiations with a distributor, but mm -hmm. because of everything that's happened, that sort of slowed the whole process down. So I, your guess is as good as mine at this point. <laughs> I'm, yeah. uh, I'm sort of wishing that in Netflix, you know, they had, as opposed to theatrical, I wish it maybe had gone to Netflix so people could be watching it now. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. so I'm just, uh, we're all waiting to see. Well, I'll look forward and I'll, I'll promote it when it comes out. So thank you. <laughs> <I'm> excited to, <laughs> excited to share it with people. So what are the this is a tough question too. <laughs> Before Warren, when uh, when I gave this question to Kevin, he's like, "You've got tough questions. What are the ingredients for a truly successful feature film?" Oh Lord, <laughs> ah, that is a tough one. I think it's character number one, an empathetic character that the audience can empathize with, and a good story <laughs> is just. A story that holds your interest, but your characters are the main thing that I think is if an audience can relate to the characters and empathize with what they're going through and root for them, to me, that is the main ingredient of a successful story. Uh, well, I would say those things about Come Away. I was definitely like completely engaged with the characters and, and I well, loved how much, uh, how much breathing room they had too. Nice. <laughs> Everything is so fast paced nowadays that it was nice to have yeah. a little bit of time to breathe and to... <laughs> Spend some time with Angelina Jolie and <laughs> those, oh, that little girl. She was beautiful. Oh, yeah. It was really yeah. beautiful. And she matched Kira. so well with the old older version. I can't remember her name. Is it Gugu? Gugu. Yeah. 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 She's a beautiful actress, too. Great yes, actress. Is. I love the way yes, she, she is. She works. So she was wonderful. Yeah. The, the, the whole cast was just amazing. I, I was really just really happy with how everyone handled everything. Yeah. Yeah. And you said, I know you said you want a relatable character. What makes a character relatable for you? What are the, um, kind of the building blocks or the touch points for that? Well, it's, it's a character where you can see what they're going through. You understand the journey that they're on. You know, you understand that you have empathy for what their flaws are. So, cause we're all flawed and we oh, know yeah. it as much as we try to hide those flaws, but we are. <laughs> yeah. And so when we see someone struggling with a flaw and trying to fix it or trying to deal with it, I think that's what to me is what the audience is rooting for. It's like, either accept that flaw and embrace it, or you're rooting for them to fix that flaw. So it, it just depends on what the flaw is. Um, but yeah. but that's what, to me, the, am I answering the question? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> I was just like, did I miss, you know? Yeah, you were saying that, yeah. that you, you need to be able to relate to their journey, that you also need to be able to relate to the flaws that they have and the struggle that they're yeah. going through to either embrace the flaw or overcome the flaw. Right, and that yeah. is the journey. That's the real journey. They may be going from point A to point B to point C to fix it. That's the physical journey, but it's the inner journey that I think that the audience is really rooting for. Oh, you know, yeah. Even though you can have the excitement of the chase or the this or the, you know, the travel or the, the jumping through hoops or whatever you can... <laughs> That's the visual excitement. The big the music inner, numbers. <laughs> yes. But it's what the character is going through on the inside is what I think the audience really connects to. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And there, there are way too many films that are void of that. I, yes. I, I think it's because it's hard to be vulnerable. And in order to, to create something like that, you have to be vulnerable yourself as you're writing. And that's, right. that's a tricky, tricky place to be for all of us. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say for some people, but I think it's for all of us. Yeah, it, it can be hard. Yeah. So here's another component to that question about the ingredients to a successful feature film. Obviously, we can't make the perfect film. Uh, no. As much as I've tried, even in a short 
film context to make something perfect. I haven't been able to do it yet. <laughs> I don't think I'll ever get I don't get think that. anyone has. <laughs> so what are your benchmarks for, okay, this project was successful for you, for you personally? For my benchmarks. It's the benchmark is if, if I'm, if I can still feel something when I'm working on it. If as I'm boarding a scene or if I'm watching a scene that I've directed or a sequence or, or whatever in the, and I'm, and I feel something, I, I, I'm excited or I cry or I laugh or whatever. It, it feels genuine. I know I've done something wrong when I don't feel something. I think it's more about what's not there as opposed to what's there. <laughs> huh, if, yeah. if I, uh, that's a tough one. Got. <laughs> It's okay. We've got time. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I like that answer. Like, uh, if you felt something, I, I thought of Glenn Keane. I don't know where I heard, but he almost felt like he, he went a little too far with Ariel's performance when he had her reach toward the screen. Uh -huh. And I can't remember where I heard that. I think it was in the You Are a Storyteller podcast. But he thought he'd gone too far. And yet, to this day, that's the comment he gets most on is, is how people re related to that. Yeah. How they felt like Ariel or like she was reaching for them or, you know. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and I think he maybe kind of wondered if it were, was a little cheesy, a little, little too no on the nose, uh -huh. but I think it was only that yeah, way to him a... because he'd spent so much time with the character and he knew her so right. well. Right. Yeah. And I also think that's the fine line we walk, you know, is it, <laughs> is it too uh, cheesy if you, if you try to make someone cry or you try to, you know, touch someone, but, but I, I think we all try to walk a fine line and that to me is the joy of storyboarding because yeah. you can, and you can test see. things out. Okay. <laughs> the people say, Oh, that was cheesy. Okay. So we went too far. You know, that's the nice thing about being able to, to test it before you actually put it on the screen. So. Yeah. Interesting. And you, you said, and I hope this is okay for me to share, but after the screening, I went up and we talked to you with your, your sister-in-law and, and that, and you said that you couldn't see the project anymore. You couldn't see Come Away anymore. You get that way more so with animation or with live action? Both. When I, yeah. uh, you know, at the end of Prince of Egypt, that was hard for me to see. Now I can watch it and I remember, you know, how I felt while I was making it, you know, yeah. and I still see all the flaws that make my my teeth hurt, you know, but <laughs> Which no and Simon's and Steve's, we all see it. But yeah, right after a film, it's, it's hard for me to be able to because you've just been working on it, working on it, working on it, and, and you just can't see anything. You know, it's yeah. it's 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 hard to know. So well, that was so relatable and so human when you said that because I instantly knew what you meant. You know, especially layers. I because I I labored over that that piece so much that when I released it to the public, you know, I just I really couldn't see it. Yeah, and people would say things about it, and and now that the dust has settled a little bit, I actually have things in my mind that if I were to go back, I would change these things about the story. Right. Uh, and at the same time, it's open. It's still opening doors for me. So it's like, well. Okay. <laughs> I think it was successful yeah. because I grew and I felt, I definitely felt something. I like uh -huh. that, that standard that you, you've laid down. So, oh, there's this, there's this sad thing about having been a creator of something so detailed is that you'll never experience it for the first time. Right. Somebody's talking about Cirque du Solitude. They were reading it and how much they were enjoying it. And I was like, boy, I would love to experience that story for the first time. <laughs> I have no idea how that would be. The only way I can know, I know is when they tell me their story. What were you saying? Yeah. 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 That's the hard part. You know, it's like you enjoy it while you can do it and enjoy that first fresh experience of the creating of it. And then you just sort of have to let it go. 
you know, and, and look for that other thing to experience for the first time. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, there, there are plenty of those. I go back and I mine black and white movies. Oh, oh, some another point that you uh, that I thought of something as you were mentioning it was that sometimes we walk a fine line between being too corny and and not subtle enough, I guess. And it was interesting that Frank Capra, who directed It's Wonderful Life and Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. I, I love his films. I love his directing. Oh, I do, too. And they've really stood the test of time. And yet back then they would call it Capricorn. Like they, they always said he was too corny with the things or too lighthearted. It's like, were you paying attention? Because it's a wonderful life. It's, it gets yeah. dark. Yeah, it, <laughs> it does. It gets really dark. It does. It does. Yeah. But but he lets it go from one to the other, you know? And yeah. uh, I, I think that's that's the joy of it. And it's also, you know, it's with all the darkness um, of so many stories on Netflix and all of that. And I love Netflix and I love oh, yeah, the dark stories. Yeah. I just realized that I've gone through some of them where the end is so dark that I just feel like, why did I, why did I spend my time on this? Yeah. Because I actually had one like that too. Go ahead. Keep going. I'd... No, I just want to, I want to feel some sense of resolution. I want to feel some sense of hope. I want to feel some sense of lightness at the end that, that when it, when, when a story ends on there's no hope or it's such a, yeah. you know, downer that I just, it's like, I can't do films like that. I can't make film. I, it's the whole reason I got into this was for escapism, for it to give people who have a harder life a little joy, you know, yeah. <laughs> a little something to to take that lighten their load, to take to take away, you know, something that they can look back on and be happy about. So yeah, I just I just have a hard time. I don't mind tragedies and and that kind of thing as long as there's a glimmer of hope within them. But yeah, but. There's so many that are so dark that you're like, ugh, <laughs> that I, yeah. I don't know. Well, I even saw a film recently, and I won't say which one it was. <laughs> yeah, that's, but, uh, I'm not saying which ones I'm <laughs> talking that's, about. That's safe. But it actually did have a happy ending. And my, my wife is just so sensitive to certain things. And she was crying into the night after after I watched that film. And I thought, I think when I the movie stopped, I could hear her upstairs crying about it. And, and I just sat there and I thought, was this actually worth it? Because people had recommended it to me. You learn so much. He's a great filmmaker, this and that. Well, now you know the gender of the filmmaker, but that doesn't, that doesn't make it easier to well, narrow it down. Hey, that's going to be a huge you know, amount of <laughs> male filmmaker, you know. Yeah, yeah. could be anything. <laughs> you said female, then we could probably narrow it down. <laughs> yeah, but I didn't think it was worth it. I don't think what I came away with was worth having gone through the experience. And that's a sad thing to say, but how, how it landed, especially because I had to sit up and console my wife the rest of the night. <laughs> And talk through like why it was Aww. such a hard thing for her to watch that, and Aww. and apologize for not listening to her sooner earlier in the Aww. movie. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to watch the rest of this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, you did touch on this a little bit. You're saying that you can't dr- direct dark things. You you want to have hope. You want to put hope into the world. Be- beyond that, what? How would you describe your brand? What is distinct about the Brenda Chapman voice? Well, I don't mean to say that I don't have dark things within the films I work on or, or right. that, I, I mean, uh, come away had some really dark stuff in it. Yeah. But... I still came away with, <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. Yes. And, and I think that's it. I love fairy tales. I love the whole sense of the grim fairy tales and even the dark ones. Yeah. They usually come out with a sense of hope. And I think I like darkness because without darkness, you can't have light. 
You know, oh, yeah, it's, me I too. like the contrast. So I really, I, the other thing I don't like is happy, 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 happy with just a little <laughs> bit of happy, happy, happy. Oh, and it's happy at the end. No, yeah, yeah, me either. <laughs> you know, not, not keen on that either or talking down to an audience. I don't like oh, that either. Yeah, Where, yeah, yeah. With when so many family films, I feel like they've, whoever has made a decision to sort of dumb it down, they think that because their kids watching that it can't be too sophisticated. And I, I so disagree with that. So Me I too. think that's why the Pixar films are so successful. I think that's why Disney films uh, back in the day in the 90s were so successful because they weren't dumbed down. They actually had some real emotion to it. So I guess my hope is that you, you what you feel when you're watching a film is real and it doesn't feel surface, that it has depth, yeah. that you can mine it on many different levels, no matter what your level is, whether you're a five-year-old or a 80-year-old, you know, and everything in between, I'm hoping you will find your sweet spot within that story and within those characters too. So that that's, I make films that I want to see. I make films that entertain me. I, I hope that what I like, other people will, <laughs> will like. And I, I, I think most filmmakers are like that, that they make films that they would like to see. So yeah, I, I don't, I just, I want a little joy. And I want a little sadness. I want, I want heart. <laughs> I, w- I want, I want to feel it. That's what I want to, yeah. that's what I like in my film. And the point that stood out to me the most is uh, what we were saying was not talking down to an audience. And yeah. I think that is a strong component in your brand as a person, like interacting with you. I've, I've never felt caught to talk down to. Actually, I, I mentioned before the show that when I first met you in person, it was like I was meeting a friend from high school. <laughs> <laughs> Because you, you, I, I, I remember it probably differently, but it seemed like you jumped out from behind somebody and said, Scott, and you know, it was like, hey, I, think I did. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so pleased to meet you. And, uh, and there was no, there's no amount of condescension or I'm the established director and you're the lowly, you know, animator. There was none of that in, in you. And so it was, it was truly a joy. One well, of my best memories. Slap me if I ever get to that point. <laughs> <laughs> I, I give you permission <laughs> <laughs> to fly over there and slap you. Okay. Yes. Yes. Well, uh, maybe I'll send something in a box, like a little hand. <laughs> Especially during quarantine. Maybe we're going to be in another yeah, quarantine that's a, or something. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, awesome. I, I like that. Thank you for, for your thoughts on that. So if a director hadn't ever worked in a major studio for one reason or another, like Disney, Pixar, DreamWorks, what is an important thing that they would need to know about being a director and getting their work to the same standard of quality or the work of their team? Are you talking if they're doing it independently? And yeah, not... for an independent. Okay. I think don't settle. And I would say an independent animation director, definitely board and reboard your film over and over and over again. Yeah. Get as many eyes on it as you can to give you feedback. And I think the key is on the feedback is listen to what they're saying underneath. You don't necessarily (laughs) always have to take their solutions. Yeah. Listen to what the criticism is and see if it feels right. If, if it's like, okay, there isn't enough emotion in that section or we need to speed up there or, you know, just look at the, the core of what they're saying and not necessarily the specifics of the solution. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can completely that relate to heard. that about the yeah. core. Also, they they don't haven't spent as much time with the story, right? They right. don't know exactly what the structure is and what all the right. characters are going through. They're just experiencing it for the first time. Right. And uh, that's something I've noticed doing these books. They've been very, very valuable because I'll give them to somebody. I get 
lots of feedback and then I completely rewrite the book several times. And that's one thing I noticed is that they'll say one thing and they have a solution for it. And I, having, knowing the story and the characters, I'm like, that's not the right solution, but you're onto a problem, right? Exactly. That's you're onto it. something. Yeah, and, that's it. And then in our conversation, if I'm able to converse with the person that, that read the book, which usually I am, <laughs> then we can come up with a, a better solution together. And, and that's been a really rewarding yeah. experience. So, But that's that would be the thing I would say is is the story is the most important. Yeah. So I've it's uh, there's a saying that the best animation in the world can't save a bad story. Yeah. But the worst animation can't necessarily kill ruin a great, a great story, story. Yeah. yeah and i've seen films that that is very true <laughs> yeah yeah that because it's the story that engages you know and and it's not to say you want bad animation <laughs> or or a bad production value but sometimes if you have this great story and you don't have the money to put into the production value of what you're putting on screen you can budget it to a sense of design and style that might fit a budget better you know instead yeah. of I, I would say some of the ones that I, I feel make it hard to watch are the ones who try to be Pixar quality, but huh. they don't have the budget to be Pixar quality yeah. in, in the look. So I'd say that that is a flaw that needs to be you know looked at. It's like, okay, we don't have that budget. So how can we make a look that is still beautiful, but within a realistic approach? Yeah. No budget. So. Yeah, I, that's an excellent point. I actually love that point because you're trying. What you're trying to do is you're trying to take a hundred dollars and make it a thousand, right? If yeah. You're trying to because you, you only have so much more money and so much time, and you want to pay your artists fairly, right? Right. And so, what do you sacrifice? Well, you've got to you've got to sacrifice some aspect of the quality without it ruining the look. I guess is, is right. kind of the idea. And here's another thing that having done workshops and speaking engagements and different things around the world. Mm -hmm is that in the United States, everybody tries to emulate Disney or Pixar, <laughs> you know, that that look. Yeah. But in Europe and in Asia and, and all these places, they don't necessarily do that. They find a style that works for the story. Right. They don't, they're not trying to fit into something. And I wish more uh, people would do that here. It's like, okay, you want to make an animated film, find the look of it that is its own thing. Like Dice Tutsumi. Tutsumi. Yes. Yeah. And we actually interviewed uh, Ron, Robert Kondo a couple episodes ago. Yes, about, yes. The, the, about the, the Tonka the, House process. Yes. That, that They have their own look. They have created yeah. their own thing that they can do. And it's, you know, it's it's beautiful, but it's its yeah. own thing. That's one of the rare examples of that. But uh, th but they could you could go even further than that. So if you have only 100 bucks as opposed to 100,000, <laughs> what can you do for that 100 bucks that's going to look amazing? amazing you know yeah. that that's still you can still find that amazing style you know just you just have to be clever and 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 search for it so yeah, yeah okay agree. i'm off my soapbox now <laughs> i love that soapbox and actually I, it it helped me feel better about um something that happened during layers was i won't say what short film it was but there was a beautiful short film that every step of layers production that short film would come out with something like it would something would happen with it or this thing would happen or that thing would happen and it was always when I hit a benchmark on layers, that thing would come out and outshine it. You know, uh. <laughs> it was like it would always make me feel down on it. Like, oh uh. well, I'm not having that success. I I must be doing something wrong, right? And it wasn't until after a little while where I was talking to somebody who sat next to me, and they were talking about how amazing my my film looked as I was showing them some fin finished pieces, and I was like, well, it's not amazing as. And I brought up Moana or something. 
And they're like, no, no, it's it's just as amazing. And I I don't still still don't agree with them, but <laughs> but, but I think I, it was because I was doing that. What you're talking about was I was yeah. saying, okay, this is the standard in my mind, and not realizing like this is really amazing that I'm doing this alone in in yeah. a short period of time. And absolutely, yeah. and and. I think it's good to give all our listeners and, and the artists out there permission to, you know, experiment. Yeah. Do do what you can with what you have. And exactly. You don't have to be Pixar because you're yeah. not. <laughs> yeah. And be creative. What is your individual creativity? Let that show on screen. It doesn't have to be that look. <laughs> you know, Pixar has their look and it's great, but that's Pixar. So what is what is your look? You know, what is yeah. what is that look? You know, yeah. find it and embrace it. And yeah. I love that. And it actually makes me think of a story that's not related to animation at all, but I think it's a cool story. I think it's in a book called The Third Door, where they were talking, it might not have been that book, but they were sitting there, I think it was Walmart or Amazon, but Walmart and Amazon were both involved and one was doing really well. I think it was Amazon was doing really well and Walmart was trying to figure out how to be Amazon or how to beat out Amazon or, you know, how to incorporate uh -huh. what they were doing. And after a while, they finally sat down and said, well, we're not Amazon, we're Walmart. So what are we going to do that's specifically Walmart? You know, yeah. so they're no longer competing. They're just providing a different type of service that people can use in a different type of um, instance. So, yeah. yeah, that's exactly it. Not that I want to be Walmart. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> but yeah. So and here I am touching my face during the <laughs> But I'm quarantined. We're good. I'll yeah, wash yeah. my hands. <laughs> So what are things that you wish directors in general and maybe studios and producers did better in this industry? <laughs> Be more human. <laughs> <laughs> Show compassion and kindness to the people they work with. I did discover in live action, it's a much harsher working environment, yeah. um, much harsher and, and unnecessarily so, uh, I think. I just, um, you know, I experienced and I saw a lot of bullying going on and it was hard for me to struggle through that. Um, I, it just sort of blindsided me a little bit. I wasn't expecting that. Where my experience in animation, for the most part, is that I work with a lot of kind people who have the same desire to make a, a good film and love what they do. And I, I just found that there was a lot of fear in live action, fear of where the next job was coming from and fear of their supervisors and their, you know, and just a just, it was just an odd, just a different experience. And uh, if I did that again, I would work very hard to change that atmosphere on the set. And I know there are some directors who do that, uh, like Ron Howard, and that they they have a a, a kinder set, <laughs> yeah, a kinder a kinder approach, and uh, do well because of that, you know. And and um, I like I forget the question now. I'm sorry. What was the it question? Was... <laughs> It was what some things, you're still answering it, but what were some things that you wish directors in general did better in this industry and directors producers? And, and producers, yeah. I, that is the big thing, is yeah. just being more open and more human. I, yeah. I just find it, they get too much in the corporate field. They're very uh, harsh. It's always bottom line. It's always schedule, but let's, let's see how people feel. And I think that's going to open up the creative process and make yeah. that whole, it's, it's hard to be creative when you're stressed out. You know, I, I don't believe in the create, uh, conflict creates creativity. I, I just, huh. I, I've heard that so much and I just, I, I don't think that's necessary or true. I think yeah. that's, it's interesting. I mean, I think maybe a, when you're recovering from conflict, that can that can generate good things. Oh yeah. I don't think the conflict itself is the 
<laughs> is the impetus for creativity. Yeah. No, I, I agree that the recovery, when you're trying to heal from it, then, then it opens up things. But I think you can be extremely creative. You know, limitations and, and conflict within a story, you know, you know, is, is, is great to have, but, but I, I just don't think necessarily while you're working on it, you have to be beaten up. To, to be creative. Yeah. And I like how you point out that fear has a huge component in it, in, in that process of like why people were acting the way they were, why they were acting harshly. It was fear-based. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's one of the hardest things for humans to admit is that they're fearful about something, some yeah. humans. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but there's a book called Choosing Clarity by Kim, Kimberly Giles that I love. She's a, she's a life coach, I think. And she just talks okay. about how to identify fear in different aspects of your life and behave better and how to understand that when other people are misbehaving it's because of fear <laughs> right and and how can you help them in, in that instance you know right and i think I, I have worked at one studio of all the studios i've worked at that they, they were very fear-based and the the animators complained about suffering because of it whereas like i don't think it needed to be that way right well it doesn't and it really doesn't yeah but it depends on who's uh who's in the the at the helm you right. know, and that does trickle down. So if they're fearful and they're stressed out, you know, that, that will trickle down. So, yeah. How, so how do you help the leader? <laughs> you know, <laughs> sometimes they don't want to be helped or they don't know that they need help. So, uh, well, so we're going to close here with the, the get wiser moment evolved. <laughs> so I, I used to ask the question of what moral responsibilities does a director have, if any, to the world culture? And generally, I would get some sort of an answer that came to truth. Tell the truth. Tell the truth. Tell the truth. It's got to have truth in it. So now we've evolved to this question. If my goal is to get the highest potency and clarity of truth into a film, what approach would you recommend? It's, again, I go back to the character and having empathy for that character and creating a character that people can follow and root for and relate to. And so, therefore, that is the truth that you're putting into that film. So it, it has to come from the, the filmmaker's heart. Yeah. And that's where the truth comes from. Yeah. I don't know quite else how to <laughs> expand like upon that. that. That's a good answer. <laughs> yeah, I'll just keep asking the question until I start to see the common patterns and then the question will probably evolve again. So <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I love that answer. It's very simple and to the point. So thank you. Thank you so much. And thanks for this wonderful interview. We're actually about done here. Okay. Well, it's so, been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. It's been a wonderful pleasure with you as well. And is there anywhere where you'd like people to follow you or connect to you online? I know you, you recently shut down your website. Yeah. Sorry hackers. about that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just have a public Facebook page right now. So eventually I'll, and I, I'm not actually doing much with it at the moment. Yeah. So, but there is a, a website coming up. My husband and I have started our own production company, Twas Entertainment. Yeah. And uh, it will be twasentertainment.com. Um, oh, great. And that will be online soon. <laughs> well, I'm very excited for that. I'm excited okay. for what you're doing at Twas and all the things I've heard about it. It's, it sounds wonderful. So thank you. Thank you. And uh, until next time, enjoy. All right. You have been watching the Directing Animation Livecast, hosted by Scott Weiser, audio version edited by Kiera Horowitz. Produced by Lauren Chaikin, copyright Scott Weiser, LLC, 2019.